Hello and welcome to the latest edition of China Inc. by Bamboo Works, where we discuss the latest business and financial news from China and what it all means. I'm Doug Young, Bamboo Works editor in chief, and I'm joined today by Renee Vangusti, one of our founding partners, who's also a longtime China watcher and former investment banker. Today we'll look at the growing prospects for a summit next month between Chinese President Xi Jinping and his U.S. counterpart Joe Biden. We'll also look at the latest lifeline from the West for a struggling Chinese EV maker. We'll start with U.S.-China relations, which appear to be quickly improving after three years of deep freeze. Three U.S. cabinet-level officials have called on China since June, and now China has sent its foreign minister Wang Yi to Washington last week. What's more, Wang met briefly with U.S. President Biden, while Chinese President Xi met with visiting California Governor Gavin Newsom in Beijing. At the end of the week, the U.S. confirmed that both sides were working towards a meeting between the two presidents next month when they'll attend the APEC summit in San Francisco. So, Renee, the U.S. has been trying to improve the tone in its China relations for most of this year, but. China always seemed a bit more reluctant until now. Any thoughts on why Beijing is suddenly feeling a bit more willing to engage? Well, this、uh, this is, a, I think, a pretty、uh, complicated、uh, <laughs> thing we're dealing with here.、Um, first of all, I mean, to your list of meetings, I would add、uh, Henry Kissinger and、oh, and then Chuck Schumer. Uh, and a delegation from、uh, the U.S. Senate, if I'm not mistaken. So yes,、right. I mean there there's been a, a lot of、uh, of interaction there.、Uh, mostly though,、um, people from the U.S. going to China and 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 visiting、uh, senior officials in China, including President Xi. Right. Right.、Um, the、um, the second point that I would make is. Uh, it is seemingly not just the U.S.、Uh, you know, apparently、uh, relationships are also improving with Australia. Conversely, on the other side, they don't seem to be improving、uh, with Europe, or at least with most of Europe. And and this this looks a little bit like、um, you know some countries in the world do certain things that、uh, China. Determines are not friendly to China, and then、uh, they go in the penalty box、um, <laughs> for a varying,、um, you know, period of time,、uh, and then eventually,、uh, like in any good sport, you know, people come out of the penalty box. Right.、Um, things、um, improve a bit, and、uh, and right now, I guess the Europeans are in the penalty box, especially because of what、uh, they now. They were going to do in terms of investigation of subsidies to、um, EV companies in China. So these things are always, I think, in a state of flux.、Uh-huh. Um, but the fact is that these are indeed the two most important、uh, economies, two most important countries in the world、uh, today. Um, they are, no matter what,、uh, you know, heavily interdependent, at least. Uh, at the economic level, this is not、uh, a cold war,、um, as some people call it. That is comparable to what happened between the West and Russia in last century.、Uh, 
um, in large part because um, the economic links are totally different uh, when it comes to uh, China and the West today. Mm. Um, and, um, and, and these are not going away. I mean, they may weaken a little bit for reasons that uh, lots of Western countries and companies feel uh, are necessary and justified in terms of, um, you know, lowering risk of concentration of um, uh, production, basis, sales, and all of that. But, uh, but uh, these are not going to disappear at all. Hmm. So, you know, on the other hand, you have President Xi and uh, the Chinese Communist Party who um, have a few um, uh, beliefs or considerations that are, I think, relatively well known and are pretty stable and have been there for a long time. One is President Xi uh, is very focused on ensuring the survival, uh, and I think more than just the survival, uh, the uh, power of uh, the Communist Party uh, over the country, um, number one. Number two, he uh, clearly is very focused also uh, these days on changing the world order. These are uh, the, the contract between the Communist Party and the people of China has long been based on uh, the fact that the party will provide economic growth, rising standards of livings, and the citizens therefore will love the party forever hmm. and be and be quiet. Um, that so that's that's obviously a tenet of um, of um, Chinese policy overall. Mm. Now, President Xi has also decided or determined that uh, of anybody else, he is the only one who can uh, make that happen and installed himself in power uh, potentially for as long as he lives. So you fast forward a bit, you come out of COVID, uh, you have an economy that has suffered a lot. In order to do all these things, one, continue to deliver rising standards of living, two, ensure common prosperity, three, change the world order, you need a lot of money. Mm. You, and where you need a lot of money, that comes from a strong economy. And this is the one thing that China cannot say it has today. Hmm. Uh, the economy is not as strong as it used to be. On a relative basis, it is not particularly strong. There are lots of uh, problems, as we all know, um, starting with the, real, the collapsing real estate sector, which is not just about company real estate developers crumbling, but it's also about the dreams of lots of Chinese citizens being killed because they can't get to live in the apartments that they have already paid for. Um, prices are coming down when uh, people thought that the real estate prices would always go up forever, and that was creating wealth. Uh, you've got high level of youth unemployment, You've got healthcare system problems. You've got pension problems where for lots of people in China, uh, the monthly payments in terms of pensions are a 
abysmally low and and cannot really help people live decently so you've got you've got all these problems you come out of covid you try and restart the economy you promise all kinds of things to uh, you know private enterprises that uh, they will be fine going forward to uh, foreign companies that you open for business again and they should come back and invest to foreign uh, investors in the capital markets that they should continue to believe in the china story and 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 buy equities and bonds and so on and none of that is working uh, companies continue to somewhat disengage and and move part of a production basis. Foreign capital is leaving the capital markets in substantial amounts. And so, you know, foreign capital is leaving. So at some point in time, you know, you can only go so far uh, in, in uh, you know, coming up with domestic stimulus and so on at some point in time. You need the world to get more engaged again uh, with China and hopefully help the Chinese economy rebound. And the U.S. is still, you know, by far uh, the most important uh, country in the world to help in that particular respect. So I think that that's basically what explains it. Uh, it's <laughs> okay. been slow. It's been slow, but it's it's always slow because China never wants to admit that uh, it it has uh, it has done something wrong. So that's why it's happening now and not earlier. Okay. All right. Well, that was a, a long answer on the Xi Biden summit. Um, I, I do like your uh, metaphor of the penalty box. I think that probably sums things up pretty well. And uh, I guess you know, like you say, China's got to watch out for its economy so i guess getting relations back on a good track with the u.s is part of that anyhow let's uh let's move on to the next point we have which is the latest lifeline coming from the west for a struggling chinese ev maker uh this time it's a company called leap motor which is getting a 1.5 billion euro cash infusion from euro american car maker stellantis whose brands include fiat chrysler and peugeot in exchange, Stellantis will get 21% of Leap Motors' shares. This deal comes just months after Volkswagen agreed to pay $700 million for a smaller 5% of another struggling Chinese EV maker, um, this one called Xpeng. So, Renee, what's, what's happening here? It uh, looks like Stellantis and Volkswagen are both very big companies with their own EVs. Why are they suddenly investing in these smaller Chinese companies whose cars are no doubt technologically inferior? Well, I mean, I'm not too sure that, that that's a correct statement when it comes to uh, Xpeng, Xiaopeng, um, hmm. as, as they already know. I think that I think that they have uh, pretty good technology. The uh, it's a company that is losing money, but just like every other Chinese EV manufacturer, I think, except maybe BYD, but BYD has other businesses, mm -hmm. um, and um, they also, you know, strategically, I think, active. They uh, did a deal with Didi, um, in which um, they acquired the uh, Didi smart car uh, smart car unit. 
um, which I think, which deal has been relatively well received in the market. But yeah, I mean, overall, uh, these are money losing um, EV manufacturers in China. Um, but I think that for foreign companies such as Stellantis, for instance, Volkswagen to a lower extent, um, this is about the China market. This is about a growing market, clearly, as far as EVs are concerned. China has a pretty strong hold on the uh, EV uh, supply chain overall. Um, Stellantis, through Chrysler in particular, but also uh, Citroen, as far as I remember, had used to have a joint venture uh, in Guangzhou right. for a long, long time. And, and they terminated that joint venture, I think, last year or maybe two years ago now. So they found themselves with basically no footprint in the China market. So, you know, I think that they think it makes sense mm-hmm. um, to do a deal like this to get into a market that uh, clearly is growing. EV market is growing in Europe, but it is not really growing in the US. The fastest growing market in terms of EV is China. So, you know, um, if you're a manufacturer and you know that inevitably over time you're going to have to get out of ICE uh, vehicles and, and be totally focused on EV, you know, this this makes sense to some extent in terms of strategy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Volkswagen is a bit of a different story, I think, but, you know, they used to be the dominant car seller in China, at least as far as foreigners were concerned. They were slow um, in uh, going into EV and, and their sales have suffered dramatically uh, because of that. So this deal is, um, I think, you know, an effort to try and uh, rebound uh, in China. Hmm. I mean, of the two, I consider Xpeng to be a much better company than um, than Leap Motor. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, I'm not too sure what uh, Stellantis saw in that company. Um, maybe they tried, you know, other manufacturers and couldn't get a deal done. Who knows? Okay. Well, looking more broadly at China's EV startups, um, the field is, is really quite crowded, and, and Leap Motor and Xpeng as well have been cited as two names whose prospects are sort of uncertain, especially Xpeng before Volkswagen came in, and certainly Leap Motor before this new deal with Stellantis. Do you think these, these new investments are going to be enough to save one or, or both of these companies over the longer term? Well, I, you know, I think it's, it's a very dynamic environment. Um, I read somewhere that uh, at some point in time, Chala had hundreds of EV uh, manufacturers. They're down from what I read to about 100. It's, it's difficult to see how you could have more than maybe 10, 15 in the end, uh, car manufacturers, <laughs> EV manufacturers. That's still a with, lot. Too. And that's still a lot. But obviously, you know, China is a much, much bigger market uh, than the US and, and Europe. But I mean, even if we pick 10, right? So there's still a need for a lot of consolidation to happen for a lot of 
um, you know, companies to disappear also, not just through consolidation, but just die. Hmm. Uh, and therefore, I think it's, it's basically going to be an exercise of, you know, can you, can you get into the last batch? Um, and in order to do that, inevitably, when you lose a lot of money, you need money. So if you look at somebody like Expong getting money from, from Volkswagen, and I'm sure maybe uh, even at some point in time, some manufacturing uh, capabilities, um, or even Leap Motors, you get you know, quite a fair amount of money from Stellantis. I think, I think that's what's going on here. Uh, not everybody is going to be able to generate or raise the cash that is going to be needed to continue to grow while hemorrhaging money. Right. So we'll see who stands at the end of the game. <laughs> the big question. Okay. All right. Well, uh, thanks everyone for joining us this week. Uh, we'll wrap it up here. In our next program, we'll look at plunging funds for healthcare startups. And we'll also look at an upcoming New York IPO for Smithfield, the decade after the U.S. pork giant was gobbled up by China's WH Group. If you like what you hear, please tell your friends about us and rate us and share us on your favorite podcast app. Meantime, hope to see you all next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you all. Goodbye. Goodbye.